Okay, everyone, we are live today. My guest is Daniel. Uh, Hello. Yep, he's a uh, he's into the whole UFO phenomenon and remote viewing. Daniel, if you don't mind, give us just a, a little bit about yourself. Sure. My my name is Daniel. I um I am I st I studied philosophy and, and psychology at uh, University of Central Florida a while back, but uh, my main interest is in is in UFOs and remote viewing and I guess the, the relationship between these ideas. And I recently created a website called the exopsychic.com EXO and then psychic.com. And on this website, I provide remote viewing targets of, uh, targets of, of unconventional, un unconventional targets, sort of some of them are in the, the realm of the paranormal or the extraterrestrial and um yeah i, I provide resources uh, external resources on this website to uh, ins that provide educational material on how, how to conduct remote viewing it it is a psychic ability that really virtually anyone is capable of it's a natural human faculty that most people have um, and it involves using, it's a specific protocol. It involves using a set of, uh, the, you have a tasker who is, who provides a set of random numbers that he has mentally associated with a target. And then you just provide these, the set of numbers called coordinates to the viewer and the viewer doesn't know beforehand what they're about to view. And, they read the numbers aloud and have and they experience a mental image of of what the contents of the target are and i'm trying to uh spread awareness of this this natural human ability that we have not been informed about by the our government that's that's recently formalized these abilities over several decades cool man yeah um so does your website itself does that give uh, resources for people who want to learn this or maybe where to get them started? Yes. Yep. Okay. I, I, I link mostly to, I don't teach it myself. I, I link to um, an organization called, called Farsight. It was founded by Courtney Brown and he, he's a, he's a very much a trained remote viewer and he provides one of the many protocols for, uh, how to conduct it and they, you know that there are some different protocols and they i don't think they really differ in their essentials um uh but yeah he his his pr approach is called srv or scientific remote viewing the but originally uh In ingo swan one of the cia's best and first psychics developed what he referred to as controlled remote viewing and that that really is i guess the most tried and true version and then there have been some some offshoots of that, and it's one of the offshoots of of that that I'm most familiar with. Okay, yeah, we had a, a pretty good discussion about Ingo Swan when we first talked over the phone. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you know, I've tried to find his stuff because I wanted to kind of re re refresh myself over here some of his uh, his stories and his experiences. But I think sure. YouTube, YouTube took a lot of that stuff down. But yeah, I, I remember listening to his stuff, man. He had some some crazy stories, and you know, sometimes the the crazier they are, it's like you can't make this stuff up. You know what I'm saying? It's like, Absolutely. You know, it's like you know, I mean, who can make this stuff up? And I, I, I like the one where he talks about seeing the base on the other side of the moon. Yeah, and, and seeing the aliens, and the aliens actually seeing him. 
you know, and that freaked them out pretty good. Yeah, that's that's something that's very commonly reported in the declassified uh, CIA literature. Uh, Mel Riley and Joe McGonigal, some of the other, I get for lack of a better word, what um, they're among the OG remote viewers, and uh, and they were tasked at times with remote viewing aliens and. And quite often they would report that these aliens were aware of of being remote viewed by them. And this is, you know, this isn't some goofy conspiracy theory on a web, on a weird website. You you can go to the CIA's own website and, and this is where you can get these files from. And um, yeah, I mean, a couple of the so called usual suspects, as far as I can tell, seem to be validated. I mean, the 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 um, the kinds of entities remote viewed by these men appear to mostly correspond to what you would think of as Nordic and possibly tall white types. Um, yeah. The I'm, usually in UFO lore, you'll hear of the tall whites as as having this very long hair, but uh, the ones that they had remote viewed appeared bald and hairless, and they uh, they as as silly as it sounds they basically look like the engineers from the alien covenant and prometheus series the the so-called space jockeys um and they were mel riley and joe mcgonagall both when they remote viewed the cydonia complex on mars one million bc uh those are the beings that they initially uh, that they that they described as inhabiting the, that area, the uh, these very tall, like nine or ten foot tall, very physically robust beings that are basically pale on the level of an albino and uh, uh, basically hairless, um, and they 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 were they resemble the beings that are in, in the files. It describes them as remote viewing. Uh, underground bases in Alaska and South America and Africa. And in, in at least one or two of these bases, uh, those, the beings that they describe look a lot like those kinds of beings. So I, I don't know if they're originally from Mars or, or who really knows where they're from or what they are, but that's, that appears to be what they basically look like. Okay. And you said they re- remote viewed it from 1 million BC? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they were able to actually go back in time, is that what you're saying? Yeah, um, remote viewing is a, a practice that involves um, understanding the basically non-local nature of reality, but, but basically um, uh, I don't know if I would say that space and time don't exist, but everything is everything in the spatial world is connected. This I, separation is, uh, you know, spatial separation. And from what we can tell to at least some degree, temporal uh, separation is, they seem to be some kind of like an artificial construct. Um, it's, it's as easy to remote view Mars 1 million BC as it is to remote view what's in a box next to you right, right at this moment. So, and and the results are instantaneous. So, um, this idea of separation in either space or time seems to be uh, either either false the that there is no separation, um, or at least it's um, 
it's very different than what we think we understand about it. And the reason I'm sort of hesitant to say that um, spatial and temporal separation are just fake news is because uh, I, I talked with Paul H. Smith about this a little bit. His He's one of the OG remote viewers as well. He he joined in 19, uh, joined their program in 1983. And uh, his notes that he took of, of what Ingo Swan said uh, became the, would eventually be declassified on the CIA's website as their remote viewing manual. And um, he, his, he has a PhD in philosophy and his, his uh, uh, his dissertation involved it was a discussion of uh, uh, the implications. I, I think it was the implications of of remote uh, that remote viewing is reality has on how we understand time, and um, I think that's what it was about. I, I really have to double check. It's online and you can access it, but th there seemed to be some remote viewing the future is a little more difficult than the past. So that's why I'm sort of hesitant to say that, you know, this, this block universe idea where there's absolutely no difference at all between, or uh, at least no separation between, you know, past, present, present or future. And it's all just one static block. Mm -hmm. um, he, right. I, th I think he seemed to be skeptical of that idea that, um, so I'm not sure how that works, but basically, um, at least in terms of, you know, spatial and possibly temporal mm -hmm. separation, we, um, it seems to be either derivative or, or possibly just fake. Like, uh, like, you know, like I've said, we, you can remote view anything at any point in time. Um, it, like I said, it's a little it's a little more difficult to do it yeah. into the into the future for some reason. But um, the present and the past are are very readily available to you. And and as associate of remote viewing, which is a, a technique a protocol developed by Dr. Stefan A. Schwartz, uh, that that that's geared specifically towards remote viewing the future. So that would be. Um, that's specialized specifically for that. And, and Courtney Brown has developed some interesting experiments on how to improve accuracy and precognition where you're using associative remote viewing to look at the future. And I think those are worth looking into for sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And, and I, I can almost understand how uh, the present and the past would be a little bit easier than the future because I guess technically the future hasn't happened, even though like some people say it, it's all, you know, where you know, with time and time and space, like I said, technically maybe doesn't exist. So the, the future may be in existence right now too. But I think for the most part, the present and the past exist. You know, as of right now, so it, it might be easy to go back. I kind of feel like a spider web, kind of of a spider yeah. building a web. You still yeah. have you know what's what, what's back here, what he's building, and you have what he's building currently, but you don't have what he's building in the next couple of seconds. That's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah, there there are a lot of people who see the future as uh, inherently probabilistic, while right. the present and the past are are fixed. And uh, and yeah, I'm not really sure that t time is one of the weirdest things to think about. Period. <laughs> as far as far as I'm concerned, but um, 
Dr. Russell Targ and, and Hal Putoff, who um, really initiated a lot of this, the psychic research within the, the CIA and the DIA, they had tremendous success forecasting uh, silver futures. And I think Dr. Russell Targ made like a hundred grand uh, purely through psychic forecasting of, of these trends. And, and Dr. Putoff was, was successful as well. And, and there have been quite a few examples of, uh, of people who have, who have uh, had a lot of success with that. Okay, cool. Cool. So let's get back to the UFO phenomenon. What got you involved in that? And uh, how did, you know, how did you get started with that? Well, I had, I had never really taken it too seriously. I mean, my interest was mainly in uh, academic stuff and that was seen as more like fringe, but I forget exactly how I encountered it. I, I, I do remember my, my first encounter with it was Richard Dolan's Richard Dolan mentioning some work by Robert Hastings on UFO interference with our nuclear technology and the some of the declassified Air Force Base files that have been released and some testimonies by guys like um, Air Force Captain Robert Salas that, that was at um, I think that was Malmstrom Air Force Base and and a couple others uh, David Schindel I think he was at Minnow Air Force Base and a, there are a whole bunch of other examples of of UFOs interfering with. Um, our, our nuclear technology and, and visiting, you know, intruding upon sensitive airspace and visiting our very sensitive facilities and laboratories in places like Los Alamos and Manzano base. And um, so once I learned that these, you know, high ranking military officials were taking it seriously and that you have all these kinds of declassified memos from the CIA and FBI that, um, that that discuss it and take it very seriously, even at even at the same time that they were telling everyone after Project Sign and Grudge in the late 1940s that there's this was all fake and there's nothing to it. It's hallucinations and balloons and temperature inversions. Um, behind the scenes, they actually did take it very seriously, and uh, many of them at that time and even to this day took seriously this. The idea that these that were the UFOs are visitations from beings who are either in a, interplanetary in origin or possibly interdimensional or some combination of both, and um, really, it was uh, so the fact that this isn't like just something that a couple of rednecks have said that they saw their cow abducted, um, although I, I that does happen and it has happened, but. Um, it, it, it is something that uh, a lot of these military and intelligence individuals wanted and still want very much for the public to not take seriously. And, um, but behind the scenes, they took it and still take it very seriously. And, um, and remote viewing ha- uh, has always been very intimately bound up with that. Um, uh as, as early as 1950, you have Wilbert B. Smith. Uh, he was the um, senior engineer for Canada's uh, Department of Transport, and he headed Project Magnet, which is basically Canada's answer to, to Project Blue Book. And, and his conclusion and that he provides in his now declassified memos is that 
UFOs are real. It's the most classified topic in the U.S. government. It's more classified than the development of the hydrogen bomb. And and in his estimation, it was also associated with mental phenomena such as telepathy and, and psychic abilities in general. And and this is something that our our remote viewers also were also able to determine as well. Be uh, partially because you know, like I had said, when when you wrote remote view most of these aliens, they the the viewers report that they are aware of being remote viewed, and some of them seem to communicate exclusively through telepathy. Um, so the this psychic realm that we regard as sort of woo woo and foreign is for them, for these extraterrestrials or, or whatever they are, they basically regard it as home and it's their, just their normal way of navigating the world and of communicating with each other. Okay. Yeah, so do you think that's a part of our brain that that, that, that we just need to learn how to turn on? Or is that part of uh, I don't know, the universe? I don't know if you want to say it like that. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, there there are definitely neurological correlates. I, there have been quite a few studies on, um, I guess, like fMRI scans that have been done on people while they're remote viewing. And they did actually do this with Ingo Swan as well. And they determined that his, uh, I forget which part of it, which part of his brain it was, but um, I think one of his, it was somewhere in the right hemisphere. I want to say part of his parietal lobe or something, which is important in like spatial reasoning, is was sort of enhanced and well, I guess it was a little more robust neurally, but but really and um there have been some there's been some similar research in this respect with regard to things like astral projection as well. And I, I forget which part of the brain is being activated when um, psychic abilities are, are operative, but um, it, it's it's not that we can't figure out how to turn it on. It's it's just that we haven't been taught properly how to um, use something that's just naturally there and that really almost anyone can do um, can use. It's uh, I, I sort of think of it in terms of like a. I mean, it, this is just a this is a rough analogy, but in terms of like multiplying two numbers two two digit numbers like 24 times 67 and it i mean if um you know if, if left to our own, our own devices it would be pretty laborious to figure out that problem but but as early as you know third grade most of us are instructed on a very basic and very simple protocol that allows us to do that and um i think that's something that's similar to remote viewing where this this is a uh, it's an our ability uh, to do this is just a natural part of our brain, and it's a very simple protocol that we can learn to to harness it in a, in a uh, to harness it properly. It's uh, Ingo Swan actually said that um, most of this psychic ability is is unconscious, and it's just a matter of correctly harnessing. I guess the energy on us on a conscious or on the conscious level of like the of the ego basically to let it express itself the, the let it express its true nature yeah. yeah you know it's interesting you talked about uh 
how they've done like tests like on people who were not just doing like remote viewing, but like any kind of other, you know, mental ability, whether it be telekinesis or psychic abilities. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember seeing some of those uh, programs and where they were doing a test. You can almost see the brain, you know, I don't know, light up in certain areas. Yeah. When they yeah, the, um, the, I think at the, Mon the Monroe Institute, I think they found really intense spikes in gamma wave activity in certain parts of the brain during psychokinetic events. I, I think I think they did that. They did that with Yuri Yuri Geller as well. He was an Israeli. He is an Israeli psychic, and um, he worked with uh, Targan Putoff in the the early. I think it was the early seventies, and I think he participated a little bit in the Stanford Research Institute uh, research that that likewise involved Ingo Swan, and initially at least. And he he he's interviewed a little bit in. Uh, the 2019 movie Third Eye Spies. It was directed by Lance Mungi. It's very, very much worth watching. It's um, basically a documentary history of of the remote viewing program in the the U.S. government. Okay. Um, so, what influenced you to to get into remote viewing? Um, it it really was uh, the the fact that um, just as I guess as a naturally cur curious person, it it opened up this idea that um, and aside from just being inherently cool, um, this, this idea that uh, reality is really far different than what we think it is and um, how, how important a role intention plays in some of the uh, just most basic elements of, of reality in general. I, a lot of remote viewers believe that the capacity for remote viewing, it not only proves something about human nature and, and the brain, but due to the way it's able to interface with reality in order to produce these kinds of results, re, re, there's something, um, many of them have concluded that um, something like an idealist or panpsychic view of the world, as many of the early quantum physicists thought, is, has basically been vindicated, or at least has there's some support for it now, uh, much more tangible and obvious support that the uh, basically at at bottom uh, it's men mental or subjective phenomena that produces objective the objective world rather than the other way around, which is how we're more accustomed to thinking. And, and the, the reason for the uh, evidence for that is, I mean, like, you know, I can show you a couple numbers that don't totally random numbers and, and you can read them aloud to yourself and get a mental vision of, of uh, the contents of the intended target. And, and really, in, in terms of the conventional materialistic model of the universe, there's there's no way that should be There is no way that should be possible. But when we start thinking about the causal mechanisms of, well, how, how is this even the fact that this is possible? What does it even say about reality itself? And just as someone who was originally a philosophy major, I had a, I had I had long been familiar with idealist philosophies. And, you know, in, uh, articulated by guys like Hegel and Schopenhauer and 
the British idealists and, and a lot of these guys. And um, I had really been more materialistic leaning for a while. And I found, so I found this very interesting. I, I, I had long been, I'd long been familiar with these philosophers whose, whose ideas, I think remote viewing research had begun to vindicate, but I had never really studied them in depth because I, I just sort of, sort of regarded them as, um, mostly just of historical interest and not not shedding a whole lot of light onto reality but i've definitely had to re-examine some of these presuppositions and um so really um yeah i, I mean investigating remote viewing and its relation to ufology has opened up a, a whole new world into reality is totally different because idealism might be true and uh, non-locality is true, might be true with regard to space and time and, and aliens are out there and their psychic abilities are much better than ours. And I mean, it's a whole rabbit hole, but really, I think yeah. once you go down, once you go down it, um, you've pretty much left the, the matrix and everything is weird from here on out pretty much. Yeah. So like, yeah. So like you were saying, you're, you know, you're a philosophy major, right? And so how did, have you come to grips with it, or how was that process when you think going into the, the, the remote viewing? What was that process like for you? you know? Oh well, I guess the the initial one. It was actually, I think, originally the first time I tried it was Lance Mungia. I think he was talking with with Richard Dolan about it and very briefly described um, how how to do it, and I um, and I went ahead and tried it myself and. Um, and I was able to successfully describe what was in a drawer near, nearby. And that definitely impressed me. And, uh, so I, I went and visited my mom and I set up a, without telling her, I set up a little fake contrived, a little contrived target in the closet. And, um, I wrote down a random number and had her, I told her about it briefly and had her remote view it. And I took her upstairs and showed her that I had labeled it as such and that her, her vision of it was accurate. And, um, I mean, from then on, I guess the rest is history. I, it, it was pretty mind blowing. And especially when I started to do some of the weirder targets and to, to task people with some of these weirder targets and each of us, um, I, I had one person, uh, I actually tasked them earlier this year, a friend of mine who had never done it before. She was familiar with it and open-minded, but she had never done it. And I, I took one of the, the the classified CIA files and had her remote view the alleged mountain on Mars I, next to the face. And I don't think it's a mountain. I think it's a built a pyramid that these aliens built a, a million years ago. And I had her, um, I gave her the coordinates within the file itself so she could see that what I gave her matched in, what was in the file. But I, I hadn't told her it was in the file yet. So she used that and I then I linked her to the file and the CIA file and she saw it was the same and she she had she had described a five-sided pyramid which is exactly what it is um so yeah I mean um it it really does open up a whole new world and really I mean Honestly, it it is a really good question that um, well, how do you even process this? Because I'm I'm not really sure. The I, th I think it was Dick Elgier 
he's he's a very well known remote viewer and he's very good. Um, he he said, I think it, I think it was either him or Joe McGonigal or possibly both that. To be honest, remote viewing is inherently destabilizing. It's 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 not no matter. I think I think no matter how often you do it, it's never not weird. Like whenever most people, I've heard I heard one person who'd been doing it for decades, and he's like, even today, whenever I do it, I think to myself, what I'm about to do is impossible. <laughs> and and he and he's had so many successes and. It 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 never stops. It really never stops being shocking. Like when you get get the results right. Um, as far as I can, in my experience at least, it's it never, yeah, it never stops being shocking, and it never stops being destabilizing. To be honest, so I I don't think you ever we ever really get used to it. Okay. Yeah. So just real quickly, I just want to ask you a, a question. I don't know if you ever thought about this or 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 have even done it, but what do you think about? Uh, Using this like in the paranormal field or even like in the cryptid world. Oh yeah, I I, I know people who have remote viewed Bigfoot. Um, quite a few people have reported being having image being given the target, and they have images. I had one person describe a really, um, a really smelly and hairy being that that was aware of being remote viewed and that could teleport, and. Oh. Um, I've, I've had people also interview the, the Patterson, uh, Gimlin film in, from the late 1960s, mm -hmm. the, pro probably the, I think the best Bigfoot footage there, right. there is out there. Um, and, and it seems to be legitimate. Like it, it, it does not appear to be, uh, some guy in a gorilla costume or, or something. Um, yeah, my... A friend of mine from Brazil actually had me remote view. And I know in, in South America, there are all kinds of myths and legends of these so-called hairy dwarves. Sometimes they're understood in terms of as a kind of extraterrestrial, like there was a a UFO, a brief UFO wave in 1952 in Venezuela of these short hairy dwarves. And sometimes they're regarded as cryptids. And, and she had me remote view them. And I gave a very precise um, description of what it what it was that she had remote viewed. She she lives in I forget where in Brazil she lives, but it's a very rural area, like next to a forest. And her grandma used to tell her stories of these short hairy dwarves that wander around in the forest. And so she had me. I had never. She didn't tell me anything about it beforehand. She had me, but she had me remote view one. And I, uh, in my mind, it sort of looked like a. It reminded me of a poke of some kind of Pokemon, hmm. like uh, um, I don't know how to just. I mean, if if you look, if if you look at the if you Google like Venezuela hairy dwarves nineteen fifty two, you'll see you'll see what it looks like. And I I gave a very exact description of that, and I I described it specifically as some kind of animal that is able to camouflage into the trees very well and hide itself that way, and that is a detail that her uh, grandma had had specified a great deal that um it, it hides among the trees and it looks like it its fur matches it so that it camouflages it and so i i mean um i know i know people who have uh remote viewed so-called these reptilian type beings and this, this is another uh thing where uh you know i mean i i don't buy the 
the weird lore that David Icke has says about reptilians <laughs> that they're diabolical and stuff. And uh, I, they seem to be either some kind of extraterrestrial or crypto terrestrial, or you know maybe some kind of descendant from the dinosaurs that went underground and evolved higher higher levels of intelligence. Um, or maybe interdimensional, like, I, I don't really know what they are or, or which lore to believe, but I have had, uh, I didn't actually do this myself, but I, I have had remote viewers tell me that they were tasked with remote viewing Lacerta, and she is, uh, th there's a, a legend interview with this reptilian named Lacerta, which is Latin, it means lizard, it's not actually its real name, but, um, and it was supposedly done in Sweden. You can find the full alleged interview online. And and this woman told me that she uh, re successfully remote viewed this this reptilian being being interviewed by a human. And in the in the alleged interview, she claims that the reptil that she and her other reptilian, uh, I guess, brethren or are they're not actually aliens they're crypto terrestrials they descended from the dinosaurs and they developed much higher levels of intelligence and in a way somewhat analogous to how um you know the our, our that our uh, primate ancestors gradually developed higher intelligence and that they survived the uh extinction events and now they live underground um and i i have no idea if that's true but but I have had people remote view beings who basically do meet that physical description and, and they seem to be aware of being remote viewed. This, this woman I spoke with um, said that she was tasked with remote viewing Lacerta's colony and she saw a bunch of, of these reptilian beings who were immediately aware of being remote viewed. And as, as silly as this sounds, they basically look like reptile from Mortal Kombat. Um, and, uh, I know there's a, an alleged account, just my, my, uh, here in, uh, I mean, I'm in North Carolina, but in, in South Carolina, there's some kind of lizard type being that I've, I've heard of. I've, I've never remote viewed it and I've never heard anyone else remote viewing it, but I mean, but as far as using, um, remote viewing, to examine any kind of paranormal or extra or anything like that. I mean, I think it's perfectly legitimate, but it, what part of what makes it controversial is that it is possible to, you know, remote viewing is not a hundred percent accurate and it's possible to have to um, run into errors. There, there are a couple different ways errors can occur. And uh, normally the way we check for errors would be, in a in an empirically conventional way, you just go to the actual target that was remote viewed and look to see if it's accurate. And unfortunately, in, in most of most or all of these cases, when it comes to aliens or or cryptids or the paranormal, we usually don't have that luxury. Um, especially since, um, like, I, I had I had someone remote view what was allegedly ectoplasm coming out of a the mouth of a physical medium and what he described sounded a lot like w what we've been told ectoplasm is that it's um but it's i mean there there are all kinds of ways 
it's possible to go awry in remote viewing. And obviously we have no way of empirically confirming that that was ectoplasm or was a telepathic overlay, which can happen when um, it can sometimes happen if you're where the, uh, the tasker, the person giving the remote viewing target, they accidentally and unconsciously telepathically transmit their thoughts about the target. So that can, that can confound the results and, and there's something else called analytic overlay where the the conscious analytic left brain sort of Im, Im, imposes its own preconceived notions of what they think the idea is like uh for example like if i'm if i'm if i'm tasked with remote viewing um um the you know mount hayes in alaska or something and and uh I I I might get a mental like uh, a higher level abstract concept of some other mountain in India, and then the left brain will will want to guess and say, "Oh, it's this mountain," and it, it might give me the wrong description, uh, or it it might I might I might use you know this conscious high level abstract inference to to conclude on a conceptual level, "Oh, it's this mountain," and you're you're not supposed to do that during remote viewing you what you want to do is work you're focusing on intuition and describing very primitive and very raw impressions that you get about how it feels what it looks like um its dimensions its shape how it feels to your five senses rather than mentally imposing um a kind of concept a, a higher level abstract concept onto it um, so, and, uh, um, when it, so when it comes to the, uh, the paranormal and encrypted like that, I, I do think it can be valuable. And I think I, I personally think that's where it's most interesting. Um, but again, since, since we have no way of testing our results with, uh, yeah. um, with reference to the target itself, we, we don't really, we can't really say for sure if, if the results are accurate or if it's the session has gone awry in some manner. Like you, I mean, you have some pretty spectacular successes in espionage, like a Joe McGonagall described what he believed was the largest ever submarine ever constructed by the Soviet. And it was constructed by the Soviets at that time. And, he described it with a great deal of precision and said that it would be launched within launched in such and such an area in like 120 days and um and uh it, it, and he and it and they had the satellite look at that area at around that time and he was exactly correct so yeah i remember that, that was, story yeah and yeah. and the i think it was robert gates I, f I think that's his name he was head of the cia at that director of the cia and at that time and he didn't like remote viewing he he dismissed that as a lucky guess which <laughs> is just completely ridiculous <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah. if, if we have if our spies have those kinds of guessers i mean yeah but yeah the uh so so you do have i mean so ideally you always want to be able to verify your results independently and um really what what gets controversial is that yeah, there, there are a very large number of reasons that some, some of them understandable reasons 
why the U.S. government does not want us to know about some, at least some of these things. Yeah. And um, like Ingo Swan remote viewing aliens, and uh, he, he remote views these structures on the moon, and he says that they are artificially made and that they are, there are aliens hanging around them and, and, and stuff. And, uh, and you have uh, Sergeant Carl Wolf. He passed away a little while ago, but he was one of the test of, te he provided a testimony of, among several other very high quality tests, uh, uh, testimonies that in 2001 at the, uh, Dr. Stephen Greer had a, uh, the national press club, and he he said that he was told by a I think it was I don't know if it was NASA he he was told by another a high ranking officer or scientist that they had found uh, artificial facilities on the moon and um, I mean the yeah you know I think we no I know I know beyond any reason of a doubt that if these things were true, which I believe they are, the, the government would not want us to, to know about this sort of thing. So of course they're going to lie about it. Um, right. But then again, of course, knowledge that they would lie about it doesn't necessarily mean that it's actually aliens or, or whatever in any given situation. So um, in a lot of these cases, it's like, well, you know, the remote viewing data from Ingo Swan says it's aliens, and we know that if it was, the government is not going to tell us. So, ultimately, in some of these cases, we just don't know what to believe. Um, right. But but I but I think we are getting more and more empirically conventional confirmation of UFO data as time goes on, and and it is something that um, the government is not going to be able to keep secret for a lot longer. And I think when when some of this stuff starts when we start as the drip drip of disclosure progresses, I, my hope is that we'll see, Oh, um, you know, we were right the whole time that it looks like Ingo's Ingo's results were correct after all. And that, that actually, that, that did happen when he remote viewed the rings on Jupiter on, in 1972, we did not yet know that Jupiter had rings and we thought it was an error. And then, only a couple months later, they confirmed for the first time that that it does actually have rings. So that um, you know this this remote viewing result that originally seemed very outlandish was we did eventually get the empirical, the more conventional empirical confirmation that we that we had wanted. And and I think with some some of this even wager stuff, we'll be able to the, some some more some more of this confirmation is on the horizon. Um, yeah, uh, just a few things. I think that's, uh, I, I've heard a theory. That's why we, we've never been back to the moon was because aliens probably say, don't come back here. Um, but, you know, which is a pretty good theory, I guess, if you believe we ever went to the moon, but that's a whole other show, I guess. Yeah. The, uh, uh, Air, Air Force Colonel Ross Diedrichson and, uh, Maurice Chatelain, he was a high ranking communications specialist in NASA. He said that the aliens told us to go away and never come back. And uh, right. one of the theories is that we were going to detonate a nuclear uh, weapon there to measure its the seismographical uh, oh, consequence right. yeah. of what what a, what would a nuclear war on the moon look like. And it turns out that the moon is private property. And they said, "Get the hell off and 
go away, never come back. You're not even a Dr. Stephen Greer says we're not uh, humans are not even allowed to leave our planet at all, so we can forget about space travel. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So Beth had a question, uh, a real quick question. She said, "Daniel, have you ever done any paranormal investigating or Bigfoot hunting?" <laughs> um, no, not 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 outside of remote viewing. Um, okay. I'm I'm kind of afraid of Bigfoot. I some of the <laughs> stuff. I mean, um, I, I I haven't researched Bigfoot enough to know too much about whether or not he's or he or she or it is dangerous. Um, I I've heard of a couple alleged accounts of people being temporarily kidnapped by him. Yeah. Um, I know I say him, but the Patterson Gimlin film is supposedly a female Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but uh yeah I, i've never um i i have been meaning to attend a, a physical mediumship like a séance or something like that because i have had someone remote view what was what was alleged to be ectoplasm coming out of the mouth of the physical medium kaimugi who i i mentioned earlier i mentioned that earlier on and the viewer described something that was dead, not alive, that was ancient, that exhibited electromagnetic radiation, electro, some kind of electro, electrical charge or electromagnetic charge and some kind of radiation. And, and that it was very hazy. And I mean, all of these things line up with the instruments that ghost hunters often use to to detect the presence of spirits like they'll 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 use instruments that look for uh fluctuations and anomalies and electromagnetic and and uh radiation type type metrics so so the fact that he picked up on that 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 was something that stood out to him is yeah. is something that i think is very suggestive and and is something that um yeah. i've been wanting people to i i've been curious to have people remote view some of the results of the skull experiment i'm not sure if you're familiar with that it, it was a series of, of experimental measurements between 1993 and 1998 in, in england where uh some physical mediums um alan and diana bennett and robin foy and his wife i forget what his wife's name is but um they conducted a series of, of physical medium experiments and yielded, I think from what I can tell are probably some of the most profound results in any, anything like ghost hunting. And, and uh, I'd be very interested to, interested to see if um, remote viewing of, of these phenomena produce any kind of promising results. Cool. Cool. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, one thing I want to ask you too was, uh, I don't mean to be so cliche, but have you ever done like the Roswell incident or know anyone who's remote viewed that? Oh yeah. Um, and I, and I say cliches are usually cliche for a good reason. <laughs> they, they've been asked the questions that have been asked so many times because right. they are worth asking. And uh, Daz, Daz Smith has a very well known, has a well-known remote viewing of Roswell that he has uploaded um, to YouTube, Daz is his, I guess nickname, but Daz Smith, and he's he's one of the better remote viewers out there. And he he concludes that it has um, that he 
he was tasked with the departure of the um, uh, of the craft from its home planet, and he described sort of this um, electromagnetic type stuff um, uh, surrounding the craft, and then it leaves the planet, and it's like a desert planet, and it comes to Earth, and it's and it's shot, and it's knocked down by either lightning or possibly some kind of electromagnetic um weapon that that we had the uh in the 1950 guy hoddle memo is a declassified fbi file it it describes um guy hoddle of the fbi reports that he's been told by an air force investigator that several flying saucers have crashed in the new mexico desert and that we had focused our radar on them and, and Dr. Stephen Greer, and I don't agree with everything Dr. Greer says, um, but he, he says that radar in that, in that file is actually a euphemism for some kind of electromagnetic weapon that we had. And, uh, that we just, that we shot it down either deliberately or we might've accidentally messed up. It's the guidance system, but, but, um, Daz did remote view, that there was some kind of electro external electromagnetic disturbance, either from a man-made weapon or possibly just lightning, that caused that knocked it out of the sky. I uh, I have kind of a hard time believing it was lightning because, like, you know, they you're gonna they're gonna travel maybe forty light years across God knows what just to get hit by lightning on Earth <laughs> and crash. So, I mean, I, I kind of suspect it probably was some kind of weaponry. I mean, Harry Truman, you know, ordered that shoot him down memo in 1952. Right. And um, um, so he he did remote view that. And I, I, I do know people who have also remote viewed the origin of the figure of, on the, uh, the 1995 Ray Santilli alleged alien autopsy film. Okay. And I don't, I don't know if this is specifically Roswell, but I, I have had people say that when they remote view it, they get the sense that this is a real alien that's that's being dissected there, and that it was retrieved from a crashed flying saucer. So, I mean, again, we we don't have the kind of empirical verification to determine that it was that that's a that those are authentic results, but um, I certainly think it's suggestive, and and there have been quite a few people who have uh remote viewed roswell and and as far as i can tell they always come back saying that this is this seems to be some kind of crashed crashed non-human being um i i i do i did have someone specifically remote view the actual being one of the beings that was allegedly removed from the craft and and his 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 impression was that this seems to be some kind of alien um, and it's crashed its saucer and now it's, you know, being take, it's been taken in by, uh, he, it was actually amusing. He, he described the crash site and a scene of, of several military officers in a state of panic and that they were frantic and they didn't know what to do. And they were retrieving, um, retrieving the, the object, the, object and bodies from it and it's certainly consistent with what the air force captain edward j ruppelt he was temporarily head of project blue book said he he said that the that the air force and 
and other military officials were were in, in were confused to the point of panic about these what was going on. Um, so yeah, and um, I've actually personally remote viewed the 2004 Nimitz encounter, the Tic Tac, and okay. and that, that that seemed to be legit. I mean, what what I the vision I had was one of um, of uh, some what I interpreted to be as some kind of naval officers on a boat, and they were look they were in, also in a state of panic, and they were looking up at some kind of flying vehicle. And then the and the vehicle's just hovering there, and then it comes down and slams into the water. The uh, I'm I'm sure you've heard of the tendency of UFOs to they can travel just as well underwater as mm -hmm. as they can in the sky. And and uh, according to Dr. Vladimir Zhaja, the uh, is a Soviet physicist and mathematician who who specialized in I think he's a naval officer too, and and he is very interested in UFOs. And he said that they spend most of their time underwater, and that and that he's heard plenty of reports of of USOs unidentified submerged objects following Soviet submarines around and fr freaking out their military their uh, submarine uh, inhabitants occupants. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember the Tic Tac uh, incident. Yeah, I, I read that. I saw that on YouTube, I believe. Mm. That's that's pretty interesting. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, what about like um like uh, any other crashes or any other incidents that people may not be aware of that uh um i i i remote viewed the 1948 alleged aztec incident um the results i got were it, it was consistent with i know that it's been officially quote unquote debunked as a hoax but I mean, that's what they say about Roswell and right. plenty of other things that I'm sure are not hoaxes. Mm -hmm. But um, the impression I got was, I don't know if it was Frank Scully himself who says that in the in this, in the 1950 Behind the Flying Saucers book, but um, I saw bodies that I definitely immediately interpreted as alien that were charred and burned. And um, that that is consistent with with some of what I've heard about of witnesses. Um, let's see. I, I mentioned the the twenty twenty Maje incident earlier this year. Um, I I do have I did ha I do know someone who has remote viewed. I think it was nineteen seventy four. The it was this so called Mexico's Roswell, the Chihuahua incident, where uh, there was a we spotted a U what. Uh, was we spotted a UFO on radar coming to America, and right when we spotted it, it changed course and went into Mexico, and where it supposedly was, it was either shot down or it collided with one of their planes and and crashed. And I do know someone who has remote viewed that, and that it involved. He described it as some angry aliens who whose ship had just been wrecked, and um, so there's that. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, um, as far as I can, I can't think of any others. I mean, I, I tend to, um, I tend to focus on UFO incidents that we know that we, we at least know it wasn't nothing like, because on the one hand you can have, 
rumors that I know a guy who told somebody who knows a guy that an alien crashed in so and so such and such a place. And I mean, that's just a rumor. Whereas um, I, I tend to focus on cases where there is there's a picture of something and we might not know what it is but it's definitely something um like the uh joe mcgonigal one of the main remote viewers he uh was tasked with remote viewing the 1952 ufo flap over over washington dc and um we know that that was something because, I mean, Washington National Airport picked it up and Andrews Air Force Base picked it up on radar and Bowling Air Force Base picked it up on radar. And, I mean, you can see the things flying over Washington, D.C. in the, in right. the video. So it was obviously something. And um, so in order to prevent the possibility of people just like accidentally remote viewing my thoughts or fantasies, I... I try and focus on, we know it was something that might not have been aliens, but it might have been. And uh, Joe McGonigal said that it was some kind of light being aboard the craft that hmm. I, sounded from his description to be something like a, some kind of interdimensional being. But um, so, yeah, but when it, when it comes to these kinds of things, I, I tend to uh, focus like a, I'll give the target as like, what, what is that in that fit in that photograph? I want the reviewer to describe what is, what is in the camera or, um, there, there is one video I wanted to remote view a lot. It's on the UFO casebook website. I, I totally forget the details, but it's a footage of what appears to be a flying saucer that, it crashes really hard, but it, it causes it to skip like a rock in a pond. And it mm -hmm. goes up again from, from that initial impact and then fly, you know, is it's it continues flying forward and then it crashes and explodes. And some people have, I have no idea. Um, you know, some people say, Oh, well, that was just an experimental aircraft or, and who knows what it, who knows right. what it was, but, it, but it wasn't nothing. I mean, it was something. So th that's right. what I tend to, to focus on. I'll go, I'll go through pictures of ale alleged photos of aliens. There, there are a couple photos which are allegedly, um, um, pictures of Nordic aliens. Mm -hmm. And I've been wanting to have, I've been wanting someone to look at those, especially since they're typically described as friendly. Um, Cause I've, I've had someone, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Maria Orsic of the, the Vril society. She mm -hmm. was, uh, she headed a group of, of psychics working with the Nazis in world war two. Okay. And um, the Vril society was their psychic organization. It was associated with the, their mystical Thule society. But, um, She's been described by some people as as a Nordic alien, and I, I have had, I had my ex girlfriend remote view her actually once, and she described a very attractive blonde female, who was immediately aware that she was being remote viewed. So I mean, when that when that happens, based on what I've heard, that's usually evidence that that's an ET, um, and 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 I don't think the Nordics are Nazis or anything. I think they were. <laughs> My my guess is I think they were probably infiltrating the Nazi government just like the the um 
you know, because because it's there and ETs are. Um, I think I do think that the remote viewers have d- Pat Price and Ingo Swan both argued that um, ETs have infiltrated the government, um, and to the degree that that's true, I'm, I'm not sure, but but they're, they're very confident about it, and I, th- I think it might have been something like that going on. Um, um, but uh, so those would be some examples and. uh, uh, what's his name? Mauricio Cavallo. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's Italian and double L. So I think it's a, yeah, like in Spanish, but he he has some photos of, of a couple photos that he insists are Nordic aliens. And it would be nice to have someone remote view those to see, you know, who, who is that in that photograph? Do they see you when you remote view them? Do you get the sense of from another planet or, or what? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. What you said about uh, infiltrating the government, you know, there's that theory and conspiracy we're always running around too. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's always good to hear other people kind of correlate, you know, give us give us some uh, evidence. Yeah, to- Pat Pat Price and Ingo Swan said um, that these being that the aliens who have infiltrated the U.S. government, whom they describe as basically the engineer type look, looking looking okay. aliens, that they engage in some kind of telepathic thought mind mind control and that that is something that is i mean remote influencing which is just a a, i guess a euphemism for mind control is definitely real and it is something that the government has has influences as has investigated as well the uh the the remote viewer lynn buchanan who replaced joe mcgonagall in the 80s as one of their better remote viewers he he has he has, he provides instruction on how to engage in remote influencing and and as I'm sure you know from UFO studies, it's very common for the to people to describe the Greys as involved in telepathic mind control and uh, man managing of the individual's perceptions and their behaviors and and uh, I mean it, it it really only gets weirder because Ingo Swan and Pat Price believe that um the these beings produce something called uh i mean in you know i'm I'm not advocating scientology but in scientology there's a concept called like a between life implant Mm -hmm. um where i guess you're you're distant once you die your disincarnate spirit is sort of brainwashed and then put into a new body Mm -hmm. and that this they say, uh, Swan and, and Price say that their remote viewing results of of these underground alien bases and and it, these are you can also find these um these are, I, I alluded to those earlier that in the CIA CIA files of they're in Alaska South South America uh, Africa one of them I think is in Mount Inyangani in Zimbabwe and um. They're they're usually built into the side of like a mountain or or under under the mountain, and um, they uh, what these psychics have said is that um, they engage in something that is similar to that to the, to this idea of a between life implant that they uh, you die and your spirit um, uh, they, that they have some kind of mechanism for trapping your spirit once it becomes disincarnate, and then they 
brainwash it and put it into a new body and just recycle hmm. continue this recycling process and they've been doing this for a while they say um and that that's i mean it it only i mean it's one example of where remote viewing and, and aliens it, ju- it just gets weirder and weirder and sounds progressively crazier but uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I i know somebody who um i'm not going to mention him by name but uh he's a, a very sk- skilled remote viewer um who uh, has worked with uh one of the original stargate members and he's mm-hmm. and he 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 will he insists up and down that this is totally true and that it's quite frightening and he really advises against remote viewing it to be honest but really um yeah because of how freaky it is but he says that these ideas of um basically you basically you're when you die these these uh aliens subject your soul to uh electroshock therapy and it it erases your memory and then they put you in a new body and i'm not sure why they would do something like that um and neither is he he's he's he says he can only give his best guess as to why but um yeah so i i mean this idea of uh you know and i i wouldn't i wouldn't endorse i wouldn't endorse people like alex jones or or alex collier in general but this idea that we live on something like a prison planet there there are certainly much more credible people than them who do believe something like this and believe that there is substantive evidence for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, 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 that's interesting. I haven't heard that theory, but that's, that, that's pretty interesting. But I do have one more question for you that I, I let me start to find it. Beth actually asked, or, you know, I, I guess in reference to uh, uh remote view, she put, I would loosely compare it to astral projection. What do you think about that? Um, I, I think the two are are definitely distinct. L- Lynn Buchanan comments on the distinction between the two. Um, I'm not sure exactly how I would, I guess, operationalize the distinction mm-hmm. because, in reality, we don't really know how either of them work. But you you can accurately describe the location of an intended target with both. There's actually a, a form of remote viewing that's been practiced quite a bit at the Monroe Institute called extended remote viewing. And that's basically you enter a, a hypnagogic or, or sl- sleep-like state um, and you okay. engage in remote viewing in that kind of state. And that's that sounds to me very similar to astral projection. Right. And I'm, I'm not sure what the difference would be exactly. But a lot of the early experimentation with Inko Swan actually involved, and they didn't call it astral projection, projection, but an out-of-body experience that he was able to hover above his body and then describe what he saw. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm not sure if they're, if these are neurologically distinct in terms of like the causal mechanism or if they're spiritually distinct as well or how, however you would even describe spiritual because um i mean i i think that the way remote viewing works is that there is a comp- and courtney brown refers to the high, our higher selves spiritual higher selves as the subspace aspect of the person and and that there is a, a part of the human person is beyond space and time and has total awareness of everything everything in space and time 
everywhere that has ever happened or ever will happen. And that we're in, in remote viewing, we're basically tricking our conscious selves into being distracted uh, in such a way that allows this unconscious higher self to tell us information that, that deep down we already know, but that we don't have, that we have been brought up. So sort of like in a, in a computer, a computer has um, a whole bunch of files, but you can, you have to manually bring up such and such a file to, to view its contents. And, and, um, my my suspicion, and I, I definitely don't have proof for this. I'm not sure if anyone does. If they do, I'd, I'd certainly be interested in hearing it. But my suspicion is that um, the distinctions that you hear made in like Hinduism between the coarse body, the astral body, and then the uh, causal body, and you hear similar distinctions um, in like theosophy and Rosicrucianism and these different kinds of mysticism where there are sort of different levels of the hu of human awareness that are distinguished in terms of their degree of subtlety. And by subtlety, I mean like fineness or I guess spirituality or uh, so we, we have the coarse self and the, the coarse body, which is very, um, it's mechanistic in its function, it's physical, spatial, bounded to the spatial temporal. And then one level above that, some people would say that's your astral self. And that is still somewhat bound to space and time, but you can travel. Um, but you're not, you're not as constrained, so you can go through walls and look at stuff. And then beyond that, some people would say there's the causal body, which is completely beyond space and time. Um, and I think that if something like this model is true, remote viewing probably, and this is my hypothesis, um, remote viewing probably partakes of the causal, of something like a causal body that is um, basically in contact with everything in space and time. And then the astral body is maybe one step below, it's, it's in between that and the physical or spatial temporally bound person and and it's it's not as constrained as the physical body but it's, it's not it's access to the um universe is not as comprehensive as what you might call the causal body and i think i think in terms of what you're what people are doing when they're astral projecting versus remote viewing very well could be operationalized in those terms um so that, that honestly that's my best guess and um if more evidence comes to light that either verifies or falsifies this i'd certainly be interested in hearing it i'm, I'm honestly not aware of of any um i'm not i'm not sure how we would be able to test that honestly at, the, at least at this time okay. I, the, when if i ever meet aliens these are the questions i'm gonna ask <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Nikki had a question for you. She wanted to know if you're are you religious or are you spiritual? Are you oh yeah, I mean I'm I'm like Dr. Russell Targ. He's the one of the main um, initiators of the remote viewer experience experiments. I'm a I'm a Buddhist like him. I'm not not in the sense of being like um, 
I mean, I'm not a fundamentalist or anything, but I, I definitely very rigorously practice meditation. And a great deal of research has demonstrated that meditation does improve um, your remote viewing abilities. And the uh, one of the important figures in yoga, Patanjali, actually noticed this. And the ancient Hindus and Buddhists all noticed that that these that their spiritual practices enhance their remote viewing capabilities. So I, I would definitely very strongly recommend meditation to anyone interested in remote viewing um, or, uh, or just anyone in general. But um, the, the, there have been a lot of remote viewers have, have definitely started off as basically atheists and materialists and come to believe that, um, you know, I, I might not, not necessarily belief in a personal God in the, the sense of, of, of a um, definite personal uh, transcendent deity of the sort we see in like Abrahamic religions. But uh, if you want to call it God, I think that the, uh, something like what the Advaita Hindus believed um, that there is, that the basis of reality is a kind of imper uh, impersonal field of, a very basic consciousness that generates humans uh, and everything else. Um, and that uh, it's, it's actually by uh, uh, interfacing with this, with this all pervasive field of consciousness that, that remote viewing is possible at all. And I, I've actually thought about this in terms of, you know, what I've referred to, using Hindu language as the causal body or this subspace aspect that's basically godlike in its knowledge, this aspect of ourselves that we um, interface with in, in order to acquire knowledge and in, in remote viewing. Um, I've actually wondered, it's led me to think a, a lot about whether the, the, either the Advaita Hindus were correct that there is no individuality and all individuality is an illusion. And we just basically are absorbed into this oneness upon death. Or if the Vishisht Advaita um, writings of, of guys like Ramanuja were correct, that uh, individual individuality is real, but we're all, but, but it's not separate from this, this vast, uh, in, uh, a metaphysically basic field of consciousness that we participate in when we're remote viewing. So, but I mean, to put it simply, like, um, is uh, you know, I individuals are either not real at all, and we just we're basically just drops of water in an ocean, or we are distinct, but we're we're sort of embedded in it, like a spider, like a spider web, metaphysical spider web, or something. So, I, I think I think the Hindus what the Hindus determined is very close to reality. Um, if not just possibly just straightforwardly correct. Um, and I've heard from a lot of abductees that, that even these, these aliens who, um, by virtue of their, of being in touch with their psychic abilities, they do, they have something like some like some kind of religion, or yeah. at least at least something that we would think of as a spiritual, as a kind of spiritual belief that they're they're not materialists and, um, so yeah, I mean I've especially heard this about the Nordics. I, I don't know what to think about that, but 
but yeah, I mean, I mean, that would be my long answer to um, whether or not, uh, I mean, I do consider myself spiritual in that sense. And um, cool, cool. Well, we've come to the end of the show, man, but before we leave, I want you to, you know, let people know, uh, you know, uh, your, uh, your, your resources again for them, or if they want to know some resources that they can go look into themselves, if they want to get into remote viewing. Oh yeah. I, I would definitely strongly recommend Paul H. Smith's works. He has, um, a book, a central guide to remote viewing and also reading the enemy's mind, Lynn Buchanan and Joe McGonagall, uh, and also Stefan A. Schwartz would be the other go-to guys for, the books that they've written on the topic and the researches re research they've conducted and also the farsight institute of dr courtney brown's work and i i link i on i link on my i link to his material mostly on my website because he has made his resources freely available and publicly on uh, farsight i forget if it's farsight.com or org but um um I've linked to his material for scientific remote viewing or SRV. Um, and that's on my website, exopsychic.com. That's exopsychic.com. And so those would be my main, my main recommendations. So I think those, those are the most solid um, and most qualified teachers in, in remote viewing. I mean, I mean, Paul Smith is, you know, he was part of the, he joined the Stargate. Uh, he joined their, their research in 1983. So he's, again, uh, somebody referred him directly as one of the OGs of remote viewing. Yeah. So that's where I got that from. But okay. he, he, he done that one. <laughs> But yeah, that, those, so those are, I think, the, the better resources. Cool. cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to look up that with the Stargate. You know, I, I, I want to get more uh, more knowledge on that. And man, I thank you so much for joining too, man. You dropped some, some major knowledge today. That was pretty yeah. good. You know, it's my pleasure. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to tell you something else. Jesus, I forgot what I was going to tell you. Uh, oh, I, I am going to have my website up and running. That's what I was going to tell you, uh, hopefully within the next week or two. And uh, when that goes up, I'm, I'm going to shoot you a link so that you can add your website, you know, like in the reference part. Sure. In that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, I, I, uh, man, man, you're welcome to do that. But, uh, like I said, you got some good knowledge. I think people need to hear it. And uh, Definitely. Yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, 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 part of why I created this uh, little podcast, like I said, I'm a Bigfooter or Bigfoot researcher, whatever you want to call me. But I, uh, I got into the paranormal, the UFO, alien stuff, and I've even talked to people about witchcraft and conspiracy. I kind of want to branch out, but at the same thing, I, I, I want to share knowledge and get knowledge and have a, a place where people can go and, and get this knowledge and, you know. Yeah, I, I think um, the Bigfoot phenomena is closely bound up with, with extraterrestrial stuff because you, you hear about Bigfoot and other cryptids all associated with orbs and UFOs and cattle mutilations <laughs> all together at pla places like Dulce, Bay, Dulce, New Mexico and near the Skinwalker Ranch, which some remote viewers have, have just has uh, described as these anomalies are produced by an underground alien base and at Skinwalker as well. So yeah, yeah. I think, I don't know if Bigfoot is an experiment of the ETs or maybe an alien himself or, um, but, but they're definitely associated. Yeah, yeah. Cool, man, dude, I'd love to have you back on sometime. And, uh, sure. cause I think we barely scratched the surface. Really. We did, you know, definitely. Yeah. yeah cool. 
All right. Hey, everyone in the chat room, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate the participation. I, uh, it seems like the more and more I do these shows, the more and more I get people in here doing these shows. And you, I think you guys awesome. have some, some great questions for Daniel. Thank you for doing that, too. Uh, so other than that, guys, thanks a lot for uh, stopping by. And Daniel, thank you for joining tonight. Thanks for having me. I'll talk to you later on. Okay. Hold on real quick, buddy. All right.